Why don't you grab a Bible or a phone or something that's got a Bible in it? Because I want to show you something that is relevant to today for Father's Day, whether you have a father on this earth still alive or not, or still in your life or not, whether you are a man or a woman, whether you're a father <laughs> or not, God has eternal principles for us. And that's what I want us to look at. You know, when Jesus, I'll, I'll get to which reference I want you to go to in just a second, but when Jesus began his earthly ministry, it was clear, wasn't it, that there was something about this man. Yes, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. I'm just making sure I'm talking to the right people here. And what it was, was his relationship with the Father. Right? And so he gathered this group of followers around him called the disciples. And one of the first things they said to him was, Lord, teach us to pray. It's in all the Gospels. That's why I'm not going to anyone in particular. It, Lord, teach us to pray. And we all know, I think, what Jesus started out that prayer with. Yeah, we typically call it the Lord's Prayer, but actually it's our prayer. He gave it to us. <laughs> our prayer is... Our Father in heaven. That's the beginning that Jesus tells us to pray. So that the first thing out of our mouths, when we want to relate to God as beautifully and as intimately as Jesus relates to God, is our Father. Right? Now, what we speak with our mouths is very important because our words have power. That's because we're created in the image of God. So if you want to flick open to the very beginning of your Bible, to Genesis, I want to show you an eternal principle that we're going to use as our foundation for understanding fathering um, in a new and a wider way maybe than we've done before. Because the eternal principle is that when God speaks, stuff happens. Right? So remember how Jesus introduces us to God. It's our Father. In the very beginning, verse 26 of Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. You with me? So God created, verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God is father he created all of humanity, male and female, in his image. So I'm doing some logic here. If male and female are in the image of father, everyone can father. Yes, Mark. 
Okay. So I'm, I'm keeping it simple so far. I'm hoping not to leave anybody behind. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> Everyone can father. Does that blow your mind? Yeah. Hmm. It blew my mind when I saw it too. That's why I thought I'd share it with you. Why should I have my mind blown and not blow yours as well? God speaks things and they are. All right? So all the way through Genesis 1 there, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be aardvark. And God said, let there be mark. Thank you. Yeah, and there was. Okay? God said, let there be dandelions. I don't know what he was thinking, but he said, let there be dandelions. And it, Well, I'm not sure God did say, let there be mosquitoes. I think that came after the fall, but... <laughs> When God said it, it was. Okay? So I want you to catch what fathering is. Because fathering is taking initiative to create by speaking and acting together. Fathering is taking initiative to speak and act to bring something to be. It's creative. It's bringing forth new life. If you look in verse 2 of Genesis 1, it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering or brooding over the chaos of creation. Holy Spirit broods and Father speaks. So you have the Word and the Spirit. And I think of it like this. The Word goes like this, like an arrow, and the Spirit goes like this. Gathers and covers and holds and broods. And the Word and the Spirit together, from the very beginning, have been involved in fathering. Because God is our Father in heaven. Am I making sense? So, there's this covenant within God that brings to pass all that God intends by the speaking of the Father and the brooding of the Spirit. So, there is a... Um, well, let's move it into human terminology. There's an impregnating and a pregnancy that brings to birth. The word is the origin and the, the initiation of God's plan and God's will. And then there's the, the waiting and the tenacity and the expectancy that causes the word to become flesh. So if you jump over to the beginning of Matthew's gospel, there's an angel there who goes to a young girl in a little podunk town in Galilee and says, hey, guess what? Mark's paraphrase. Hey, guess what? God's coming and you're going to catch him. Yeah? What does Mary say? I am the Lord's servant. 
let it be to me or be it unto me according to your word as you spoke it. Yes. So there's the word and there's the spirit. How will this be? The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. You've got the word and the spirit. And then you get the baby. The word comes, the spirit broods, life is produced. Do you see the principle of fathering? There is the giving of life in the context of covenant. Because throughout scripture, God has shown himself to be a covenant God. Were he not a covenant God, we would all be toast by now. <laughs> yeah? But he is a covenant God. Can anybody think of other places through the scripture where there's the word and then there's the weight? John chapter 1. And tabernacled among us, yes. John chapter 1. It's Jesus, yes. What about in the Old Testament? Are there any places where God speaks and then there's a kind of waiting and it's fulfilled? Abraham, yeah. Abraham. Joseph. Noah and the ark. David's vision of the temple. Right. Yeah, he didn't he didn't get to see it, but he saw it coming. Yeah. Right. David is David is anointed as king and he's nowhere near king yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean there are dozens of them, aren't there? <laughs> you've you've got um Isaiah. Moses and the children of Israel. Yeah. And you'll find as you're having lunch, you'll think, oh yeah, and there's this one, and then there's that one. And <laughs> because there are dozens and dozens. I want you to catch the basic principle. There is this speaking it, and there's this waiting for it, and then there's this fulfilling of it. And there's this cycle of fruitfulness that's built into how God works with humanity. In Isaiah 55, verse 10, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose." and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. There is a cycle of fruitfulness where God speaks, and Holy Spirit broods, and we cooperate, and God brings to pass what will be. And like Kevin was sharing, sometimes it hurts. <laughs> And it takes a while, but it still achieves what God's planned. And many of us have had circumstances in our lives where we've needed someone to say, hang on. Embrace the process. Wait. 
but hold on to the word. You remember Kathy last weekend? I don't know how many of you were in the meeting, but Kathy in the in the meetings at Ignite said how she got this close to giving up the ministry and the calling on her life just because it was so hard. And her son, who's unjustly in prison for more years than he's got left probably, <laughs> said to her, there is no way you will give up. There's that kingdom tenacity that comes from a revelation of God's life and God's word where we hang on to the word even though we can't see it. We hold on to it so that we don't miss out. And so there was a time when we were in a season um, that was difficult and we, we drew from some close friends that we would reach out to at different times and and they w so that was really important for us. We had a few people that we could say, this is where we're at, and we don't understand the situation. Um, and they would give us encouragement, and none of them said to leave that situation. They all were saying, you're in a process. And one of them had a picture of wine in a cellar. You know how you, 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 you harvest the grapes, and you, you put them in the cellar. And she said, sometimes people have open the bottle quite early but there's some that gets put in the cellar for a long time and then that's very costly very costly wine and so you know that song um, in the crushing in the waiting he's making new wine and so I just felt like he was saying that to us in he's making new wine in you but he's also if there's a waiting time then it's also he's making very very beautiful wine that's very costly and brought out at very special times Amen See, we don't have a value, unfortunately, in our society on waiting, do we? <laughs> but God does. All the way through here, there's all kinds of waiting and holding on to the word. And I want us to connect that to fathering. Because holding on to the word humbles us. That's Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. It says, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna which you didn't know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And Peter wrote this in his second epistle. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. You see, God wants the words he's spoken over our lives to shine even when we're in a dark place. So we hold on to what God has said and we, we look to what God has said and we say, this is a lamp. In my darkness, God said this. And I'm holding on to that light. It says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. See, the word abides in us. That's 1 Peter 1.23. And he's our, our direction. He's our fulfillment. When we hold on to the word, it humbles us. Hebrews 5, verse 8. Talking of Jesus, it says, 
although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And so there's a holding on through the humbling that God has for every one of us. And I hope that's encouraging if you feel like you're hanging on to something and you have been for a while, but it hasn't come yet. (laughs) There are so many of us in this room holding on to stuff that hasn't come yet, right? Don't lose hope. Keep your eye on the light of his word. What he has said, he will fulfill. Because that's what fathers do. Father brings himself into situations by speaking his word. And Holy Spirit broods over the birthing of that word in due time. I've often said to people who are waiting, you don't want a premature baby. Let God's word grow to the point where God knows it's time. And our vision here is to help one another to hold on to the words that God has given us. To stay focused on kingdom values. To wait until Jesus returns, until that morning, what is it, the, the, the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And the verse I want to highlight for you in the context of fathering is 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15. Which says, though you have countless guides in Christ... You do not have many fathers. This is Paul correcting the church in Corinth. He says, For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now I share that verse with you not to say we don't have many fathers here, but to tell you we do. Part of our heritage as a family is that we have many fathers in the faith. Fathers as I've defined them, male and female, ones who will release the word of God and hold on to the word of God and wait for the fulfillment of the word of God in one another's lives. He says, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And then he goes on to say this, and this is the part we so often don't quote. He says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Be imitators of me. Now, Paul is not saying, I suggest you try and do all the things that are recorded in here that Paul did. Okay? 
It doesn't mean you have to go and get a donkey and start riding to Damascus and hope that you get struck by God on the way. It doesn't mean you have to be shipwrecked in the Mediterranean and hold on to a piece of wood until you land up on a beach and get bitten by a snake. And No, he's not saying be imitators of me as in reenact what Paul does. He's saying become a father. Aspire to father others. Allow the fathering that you've received to grow in you to a place where you want to be that same influence in the lives of others around you. I urge you then, be imitators of me. God wants every one of us to become fathers in the biblical sense. Reflecting our Father in heaven. If you review your life, you will identify many father figures. They're not all men, but they are all fathers. People who have been able to reveal to you or impart to you something of the likeness of God. And when I am fathered, then I can become a father. Until I'm fathered, I can't become a father because I don't have an example to follow. This is why it's so vital that we become fathers in the faith. And we become fathers in the faith by being fathered in the faith. Just as Paul became a father to the Corinthians through the gospel. And then he urges them, be imitators of me. I'm very thankful for people that you don't even know who fathered me. Looking way back, there was a couple called Nick and Grace Turner who fathered me when I was a new believer, introduced me to the Holy Spirit. And urged me to step into ministry, to get training for for ministry. And then I'm very grateful for Roger and Sue Mitchell, who have had such an impact in our lives. You may have heard us talk about them before, but we wouldn't be married today, we wouldn't be in ministry today if it wasn't for Roger and Sue. They've shown us something of the likeness of God. Of course, I'm very thankful for John and Carol Arnott who were so obedient to God in the midst of the early days of the revival in Toronto. And they said, we will not squash and quench what God wants to do. And they showed us how to not only experience and encounter God, but also how to raise others up into that. John was very good at finding deep ends and pushing you into them. So you learn how to swim. I've told you some of those stories. I'm very grateful for Bob and Sandy, the couple we went to visit this week. Because they have been a father and mother to us here in the the States. When we've been far away from our earthly families. All of those folks and many more have had an impact on my life to help me become a father in the faith 
and Jane too, to father others by speaking the word and acknowledging and recognizing the word in one another and allowing that word to brood and grow in each one until it comes to fullness and expression. So when Jesus tells his disciples and by connection all of us in Matthew 28 to make disciples, he doesn't use the word make. <laughs> he just says disciple everybody. <laughs> That's what it says. Just disciple everybody. In other words, let your life touch every other life around you in a way that draws them into the relationship that you have. And in the process, you will find you grow in your discipleship as well. So we speak life and we cooperate with Holy Spirit to bring forth, to bring to birth, to bring to visibility what God has spoken. So I've got two questions for you to reflect on this morning as we wrap up. The first is, who fathers you? And the second is, who are you fathering? Who fathers you? And who are you fathering? And our response to those two questions will help us to see what God is up to in our lives. Because for some of us, when I say, who fathers you, there's this inside that's like, I couldn't possibly have a father because, and there's all this baggage attached. <laughs> God wants to heal that. Because he created you in his image. Jesus, the word made flesh, has a father. Because it's normal for all of us to have a father. And for some of you, there was this kind of false humility when I say, who are you fathering? Well, oh, I couldn't possibly. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you will. Both are diagnostic questions. You don't have to answer them for me, <laughs> but I'd love you to answer them for you. Who's fathering you? And who are you fathering? Once you know the answers to those questions, I'm coming to you in just a second, Jamie. Once you know the answers to those two questions, here's what I recommend you do. Identify what is the word of God in those relationships. It might be something God has spoken to you that you want to seek out the fulfillment through the fathering relationships you enjoy. Or it may be something that God has spoken into the life of someone that you are a spiritual father to that you can call it forth and, and, and cause it to grow and bear fruit. It's probably both. <laughs> 
but what is the word of God? And then we look at, okay, God, how do we hold that and make room for it? Be like Mary, let it be to me according to your word. We receive that word and we let it grow. We let it come to full term, if you like, to bring to birth what God wants to birth in your life or in the person's life that you are fathering. This is what we're all about. This is why we're here, is that we be involved in both of those processes simultaneously, being fathered and fathering others and allowing the word of God to grow and bear fruit. So, Yes, certainly I could give an example of the word in relationships. There are several examples. It may be there is a scripture that has been particularly applicable in your life. So, for example, um, a scripture that's always meant a lot to me is that you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water with roots down deep into the stream and, and bearing fruit. I'm paraphrasing, but it's Psalm 1. Psalm 1. That's been a significant scripture in my life since I was first a Christian. And so in many of the fathering relationships that I've enjoyed, I've been looking for the fulfillment of that. So what is the flow of the stream in this relationship that's causing me to... to put on more leaves and bear more fruit, right? So there's, that's one example. Or it could be a prophetic word that God has given you for somebody that you know you're investing yourself in. So let's turn the analogy around the other way. So I've had some of those as well where I know that, that there are people that I'm to be a spiritual father to and God has given me a prophetic word for them of what their destiny is or who they're to be. Um, and then we look for how does God want to fulfill that? And I'm asking God, so given that you've already said this about the person, and again, I don't want to give specific examples because <laughs> it probably wouldn't be fair, but given that you've said this about this one, now what do I do to cooperate with you so that you do what you've said you'll do? It's not on me to make it happen. It's on God to make it happen. But because God loves to work in team, he's asked me to be part of the process. And I don't have pride that I've got to be the answer for anybody, but I do want to say, okay, God, what are you saying here? So it may be, let me give you a generic example. The prophetic word is that this is a person who's to, to share the word of God with many others. And I don't know what that means other than that's what God said. And so in conversation with the person, first of all, I'm going to be encouraging them to be familiar with the Word of God, the, the written Word, but also how to hear the voice of God for themselves, the rhema Word, the two combined together. But then I'm looking for, now is this going to be somebody who stands up in stadiums and preaches, or is this going to be somebody who on every... Uh, you know, every grocery store line, they're going to have a prophetic word for somebody. It could be either of those sharing the word. But what is it that God is bringing out? I'm looking for the word active in the person that I'm fathering 
to help bring forth the fruit of that. Does that help? Sweet. Jamie. Um, not to take away, because everything he shared is great. I just, I felt like in my own life, with my own promises, that I felt like the Lord has spoken to me. Um, in that weight, the Christian world kind of has this ideas, and people will share with you, well, when you just give it to God, then it'll come your way. And that kind of happened with, you know, with meeting Robert and I felt like the Lord had given me a word that I would be with, you know, that I would be married to a spiritual leader. And it was like, I felt there was this striving all these years of like, what am I not doing wrong? You know, and just laying it on the altar and laying it on the altar. And of course I would pick it back up and chastise myself because I just couldn't, you know, I, and I guess my testimony today is that he is such a gracious God. I did not get it right in the waiting <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, I even worked I even worked against him and tried to make things happen and and pursued, you know, a few relationships I had no business pursuing even when I knew better because I just was like, well, God can change anybody. <laughs> And, you know, but I guess that was my whole thing is there's no, the Christian community, I think, has this thing where if you just give it to God, then he'll, you know, about the time you forget about it, God will bring it back. And there was no forgetting for me. <laughs> I was, you need to have more faith because there's no, you know, God's timeline is just totally different. And I just, I praise him for grace. Um, because he, he definitely blessed me with grace and grace in the waiting and and grace in the fulfillment. So Amen. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, she's right on it. So I kinda like feel your pain too, because I and I'm speaking for me, sometimes God also will leave you in a situation to teach you a lesson. To say, well, I tried to warn you, and you went against me. So now I'm going to teach you what you shouldn't have done. And I kind of like, speaking for myself, that's what happened to me. I'm like, oh, God's going to change this lady. and It didn't work that way. It didn't work that way. So I had to learn the hard way and start praying harder to get me out of this situation, which he did, and then along the rocky road it became a smooth road and once i found myself on the inside that's when i began to find all the peace and all the happiness and then once i said okay i got it and then i stopped looking and he started sending the son learns obedience through the things that he suffers <laughs> Thank you both <laughs> for illustrating that so perfectly. Do, Carol. I'm just thinking of a situation where God had spoken to me on something that I was going to be doing while I was overseas, and I was pursuing that, and in the pursuing, it was pulled from me and given to someone else. 
that did not work out, even though leadership decided this person needed to have that because they'd gone to school and I had not um, for that particular thing. But in the end, in the waiting, in the crying, right, in the saying, God, why, it came back. And so sometimes it's almost like an abortion or a miscarriage, that type of a thing, and it's painful. It's painful in the waiting. But God's word is true. Absolutely 100% true. 1,000% true. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's different situations like that. Amen. Yes. So many of us have had painful episodes in our lives. Do you know what the purpose of those is? Yeah, to get more T-shirts, been there, got the T-shirt, yeah, that's true. But been there, done that, got the T-shirt. No, the purpose of it is in 2 Corinthians. Let's finish with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I think. Let me just find it so I don't misquote. Blessed be the God and Father, there's that word again, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Did you catch that? Affliction is yours and mine. It doesn't say who avoids our afflictions. No, he comforts us in our afflictions, all of them, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So fathering is what you and I are called to. And it flows out of the rocky road of affliction that each of us has traveled. And it comes out of the relationships that we are in where others can father us so that we can father others. The foundational principle through it all is what has God said? We hold on to it. We wait for God to do what God wants to do and we cooperate with him every step of the way as best we know. And then God can use each of us in his plan to bring us into the fullness of who he's made us to be. Paul says, be imitators of me. I became your father through the gospel. Now you do the same. Can we stand together? I want to bless each of you to be a father and to be fathered in the family of God. So just hold your hands open in a receiving kind of heart position. <laughs> father, I bless every one of these children of God to know your fathering. 
in their lives. To see the fulfillment of your word in their lives. And to identify the people around them that you have placed in their lives to bring to fulfillment the words that you've given, the promises you've made, the destiny that you've designed them for. I bless you now to become a father in the faith. I bless you to live out what God has poured in. I bless you to take steps forward in fruitfulness as you see the Holy Spirit bring to fruition the words God has spoken. And I bless you to continue to hear his word in order that you would obey it. I bless you with the Father's blessing. The God who says, let there be, and it happens. I bless you to imitate Paul and to father many. In Jesus' name, amen.